Welcome to Millennial Pagan Podcast. We're your hosts, Autumn Wolf and Jarrah Stone, and we're back. Yay! <laughs> From what? Where, where did we go? Uh, just being cooped. It just seems like a long time because I've been cooped up in the house for like two weeks. That's true. Yeah. Hey, do you have toilet paper? Yes. <gasps> yes. Awesome. We got some of that white gold. Ooh. <laughs> Fancy. Anyway, um, so today we don't have a guest, as you've t- probably noticed, since Jarrah is not like, and this person over here. Yeah. But um, we're going to talk about a topic that I have been avoiding for about two years. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because, well, we just recorded what we thought was going to be the intro to this episode of me attempting to say what I was trying to say and then having a roundabout way of saying it. And th- th- that's that's going to be a Patreon <sighs> exclusive right there. Yes. So if you guys want to listen to that you'll understand flappy arm wings (laughs) um but anyway we're gonna be talking about history and i have to preface this very specifically because we're not talking about all of neo-pagan history but we're talking about the influence that created the movement that we are now experiencing that is the entirety of neo-paganism or has affected the entirety of what can be classified as neo-paganism today. Um, And I almost want to say specifically in North America and Europe, but it can also touch on everywhere else. Mm -hmm. So the history we're talking about today is not the history of South American practices. It is not the history of Native American practices. It is not the history of... um, African indigenous practices or African mixed with um, Christian practices. It is not the history of Druidism or the Neo-Druidism movement. It is not the history of even um, Reconstruction practices. So we're really honing the laser in on this one. Yes. We are specifically looking at the history of Wicca. And the things that branched out of Wicca. Okay. Now, remember when I said that this is something that influenced the entirety of this whole entire umbrella of everything I just listed? My feelings are if we did not have this movement of Wicca, it would have been very hard for all these other things with Native American practices excluded to be flourishing the way that they are. Mm-hmm. The, the way that I'm, I'm kind of visualizing it is the w- Wicca would be the uh, the snowball that started the avalanche. Yes, exactly. Um, and all of these movements that I just described that we're not talking about today, we're doing their own thing way before, not even way before, but before Wicca got started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm making sure to say these things because all of these other branches have their own history and they have a lot of things that Wicca does not. And here's where people are going to get mad. All these other branches can connect in some way an unbroken chain to their ancient counterparts. Okay. And that's the last we're going to talk about all those other traditions. Good. Because now we have to dive into the history of, like I said, Wicca and the things that came out of Wicca. Okay. I'm going to start way back when in 1899 with a gentleman called Godfrey Leland. He was an American news writer. Okay. And he published a book called Aradia Gospel of the Witches. 
and it's a fantastic read. 100% suggest people read it. Uh, historians and academics both agree that it's utter lies. So it was more a work of fiction. Yes, that is a, a work, work of fiction. It's gorgeous poetry. It's beautiful. He claims to have met an Italian woman who practices a um, familial witchcraft um, that worships Diana that goes all the way back to pre-Christian era. And he could not prove that in a scientific way. He could not name real names or at least the names that he named. They could not find that real person. So it's a beautiful piece of fiction poetry that a lot of our poetry that we use in um, present day Wicca and in present day witchcraft and paganism stems from, uh, has been rewritten from. It's a great story. Um, if you know anything about the Aradium movement, then you know about this story already um, or the story that they pose about the deities, um, Diana and Aradia. But it's not proof that there is a direct line of pre-Christian witchcraft that goes all the way to modern or at least 1899 day. We can't prove that. Therefore, it's not provable history. Okay. Um, not non-factual. Yes. And so we're not using it as a fact. We're not pointing towards it as Wicca history um, that can give us that unbreakable chain that I was mm -hmm. talking about before. And then we have Margaret Murray. And a lot of people are going to go, yes, Margaret Murray. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, no, no. No, 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 no. In 1921, Margaret Murray was um, already a, a amazing Egyptologist. Um, she was published. She was recognized. She was awesome. And World War One happened. She was bored, out of her mind. She couldn't get back to Egypt. No, they were like, "Yeah, no, that's dangerous. You can't go there. You're a white woman. Stay here." You're safe. Okay. So she published a work called The Witch Cult in Western Europe. And then she became the world, or at least European-renowned expert on witchcraft. And in her witch cult, she claims to have met a coven that was practicing pre-Christian witchcraft that can trace its lineage to pre-Christian times. And... Again, academics and historians go, Margaret, what, what, what? Uh, proof? No proof? You got no proof? Okay. Got no proof? Let's research oh, yeah. this. We're not, we're not finding your, your standpoint no, no, no. here. Where, where, who? Who did you yeah. talk to? Where, where'd you go? Okay, we're standing here at this place that you said you were here and we don't, we no. There's a Taco Bell where you said that was. In 1921 in Europe? <laughs> You never know. <laughs> um, and uh, in fact, there's a really cool um, another podcast that I'll suggest that talks about Margaret Murray and um, is called the uh, Unsolved Murders. They talk about a specific um, murder that happened in Europe um, and it is uh, the witch's tree. And that one's fascinating where she shows up and she's like, this was definitely done by a coven and they sacrificed this woman and put her in the hollow of a tree. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. It's really sad that that woman was found yeah. dead in a tree, though. But anyway, 
I'm digressing into my murder zone. If you haven't met me yet, you know these are my two loves, witchcraft and murder. I'm, I'm not a murderer. Oh, I was going to say, you might want to rephrase that. <laughs> I'm not a murderer. <laughs> Except of flies. Yeah, yeah. Other six or eight-legged creatures. Anyway, so historians, academics go, Margaret, no. And it kind of discredited her completely. Kind of ta- turned her into a, um, what, what, what was that What was that phrase? Conspiracy theorist? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they can't really prove what she published. However, what she published became very famous, very highly read all throughout Europe. She made a friend of the person that we're going to say was the father of modern day Wicca and modern day witchcraft, Gerald Gardner. Mm, heard that name a lot on this podcast. <laughs> and that's where my story begins as far as what we're going to say is the beginning of what we practice today as Wicca and witchcraft. Um, and anything else is um, conjecture mm-hmm. and not proven. Um, and we'll get into that in a minute. But anyway, Gerald Gardner was a British man who had traveled around the world. There's this really awesome movie about him that you can find on YouTube. You can find on, I believe, Netflix. I believe I have watched it on Netflix. It's called A Very British Witchcraft. It's a very well done documentary about his life from birth on and how he started um, the Wiccan movement and Wicca and everything. Go watch that because I'm going to give you a brief overview and that's a fabulous thing. I think every single person who is a practicing witch who's ever been a Wicca, a Wiccan who's ever practiced Wicca should go and watch. I I didn't even know that existed. It's fabulous. It's amazing. I 100% agree with it. Gerald Gardner was a nudist. I mean, I knew that much. (laughs) (laughs) Most people know that much. Anyway, he was a nudist um, and in his, I think it was mid 50s, he he was a little bit older. Hi. Sound guy T is giving bug eyes over here. I just turned and he was terrified. I was, I was like, what's going on? I, I genuinely did not know. But then again, I'm not a practicing Wiccan, so it's not on my Yeah, mind. well, well, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he was nudist or a naturalist. I, I, I would say he was more naturalist. Well, he was described as a naturalist yeah. specifically. You know, you but know, Mr. Gardner and I, we go back. I, I am, I'm also a big fan of no pants. Oh yeah, same. Uh, that, that, oh yeah, and that, that, that's that's why I'm loving this whole quarantine thing. I'm I I rarely wear pants now. I I'm a fan of pants. I'm a fan of shirts. I'm not a fan of bras. You know, it, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting going back into civilization having to wear pants after this is all over. Just order a couple more kilts. You'll be fine. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, so he was a naturalist nudist. I don't know if those words are they're they're not mutually exclusive, but they can have different uh, different meanings. Okay. I mean, maybe I should have done a little bit more research about that, but that's not my main topic today. <laughs> he uh returned to England with his wife in his uh 50s-ish and decided to have an awesome retirement. He's like, "I'm going to be in the theater. I'm going to be nude in my backyard and have parties with other nude people, and I'm going to be awesome." And apparently, maybe we don't know I'm not saying this is a fact because nobody can prove this. He joined a coven. Okay. Yeah. 
He joined what he described as the New Forest Coven, and he claimed that this coven could find their lineage all the way back to pre-Christian era. Again, people went, Gerald, who are these people? And he went, it's this person. And everyone went, we think that person is actually this real person. And we can't really prove it because that real person, by the time that other historians decided that must be who it is, had already died. And so it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's cool, Gerald. Um, We don't know. So again, if you're telling the truth or not. Broken link in the chain. Yes. Or at least non-historically or academically proven unbroken chain. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say this right now. A lot of people who really hang on to the chain, want it to be unbroken, wield it and fight to wield it, are really worried that without having this chain, it invalidates the whole entire umbrella. Why? You know, at first I was 100% yes, the oldest religion ever. No. And it's really, I can understand it. Christianity and the other Abrahamics have thousands of years of history. And that's how we turn around and say, yes, this is valid. This is a real practice. No, it's, it, that's not how we validate a real religion. The definition of a religion in Webster's paganism, Wicca, witchcraft meets. Well, witchcraft in certain aspects. Some people don't use witchcraft as a religion Mm -hmm. but you know what i mean it meets that definition we don't need this unbreakable chain to be a valid practice yeah even sound guy t just referenced that other religions that are considered valid by other governments if we need the government to validate us are younger than us Mm -hmm. or just as young including Mormonism, um, which you said was what, the 18, late 1800s? 1800s. And, and Scientology was in the 40s. Late 50s. Late 50s. Oh, mid 50s. Mid 50s, yeah. But not a good example. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but still, the government recognizes them as the actual church. They get the same thing that the rest of Christianity gets. We are just as valid. Yes. So when, when you, you guys out there who need that chain to be unbroken please note that that isn't a good reason to push it together and hold it together Mm -hmm. if you have another reason why that chain must be unbroken in your brain um i'm interested i'm slightly interested yeah i mean i'm I'm, i i I don't know i think you know it, it it doesn't it doesn't invalidate it. Right, exactly. And that's the major thing that I've heard with a lot of people who argue this till their death, that they're worried about validation. We're valid. Yeah. So we're, we're going to get off the valid train, go back on the history train. Choo, choo. I'm editing that out. That was lame. <laughs> I think now we got to keep it back in. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm keeping it now. <laughs> oh, my trains. It's better than soapboxes. Stop hopping soapboxes. One of them is going to crumble under me. Yeah. So anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So he had made these claims that he found this North Forest coven and he started being educated under them and they initiated him into witchcraft and Wicca and he wrote a 
Book of Shadows, and then he published High Magic's Aid in 1949 as fiction because the Witchcraft Act of 1737 had yet to be repealed. So in the UK, it was still illegal to practice witchcraft. Okay. And that's why he published it as fiction. But if you go back and you read High Magic's Aid, you'll be able to learn a lot about High Magic and how the circle was created and blah, 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 blah. And I have not read High Magic's Aid, so I'm not going to pretend that I did. It was published by Atlantis Bookshop. But then in 1951, the Witchcraft Act was repealed. And then in 1954, Gerald Gardner published not as fiction witchcraft today which pretty much started everything else we're going to talk about so 1954 yes that's pretty Boom. much the 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 beginnings yes wicca became a thing in the public and gerald gardner became a celebrity okay and he really liked being a celebrity but you can watch all about that in very british witchcraft gonna have to put that on my quarantine list yes so worth it and he then initiated midsummer of 1953 a woman named doreen valiente i've heard that name a couple of times yes she has a great book that will tell you all the history about gardner's um covens that he created after he um, published witchcraft today and everything that went on there specifically and what transpired with her groups and what was going on in that time called the rebirth of witchcraft it's an amazing historical text from an insider i highly suggest it to everybody listening to read that book it is Mm -hmm. amazing it is not as boring as some other history type books that are going on that are talking about this i highly suggest it anyway um, so she's sitting down, she's copying Gerald Gardner's texts and his um, Book of Shadows, because that was a normal Gardarian tradition thing, which, by the way, Gerald Gardner started a tradition of Wicca called Gardarian. Why that's necessary, we'll talk about later when there's other branches. Anyway, so she's writing that down and she's going, hmm, there's a lot of stuff from Aleister Crawley. He was a magician, an occultist that came before Gerald Gardner. They apparently did meet at one point. I'm not 100% sure on that one. I read that somewhere. Don't remember where. Anyway. And she's like, there's a lot of Crawley shit in here. And he goes, yep, yep, there is. Uh, The book that they gave me had um, a lot of big empty spots, they being the New Forest Coven Witches. Um, He said that. So I, I, I rounded out the religion myself and made it more whole and that's why i again say it doesn't matter whether he had this connection going back or not because he made something completely new Mm -hmm. by adding his own stuff to it so it's all him wicca is gerald gardner's invention as is done today Anyway, so Doreen's like, okay, can we get rid of some of this Crowley shit because it's kind of sexist? And Gerald's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, all right, all right, all right. And she wrote a lot of beautiful poetry, added that in, stuff that we use and talk about and work with. To this day, Doreen did. And then Gerald went, I am the high priest, I am all powerful, and the high priestess must bow to me. And Doreen went, mm. 
Summer of 57. Toodles. Yeah. And then she published Witchcraft for Tomorrow in 1978. Hmm. And once again, I will say in 1989, her rebirth of witchcraft is amazing. It talks exactly about all of this history that I just went over and much, much more. It's beautiful. It talks about different occultists who are doing things at the same time because this was a movement that was just starting to get going. And Gerald Gardner decided to be the face of it in publicity. And that's why he is who he is. And it was awesome. Anyway. Well, I do. I do like the the dichotomy of you know witchcraft today and then witchcraft for tomorrow. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. beautiful. And I haven't read that one yet either. No. So I'm gonna claim. I'm I'm gonna tell you if I've read it or not. So, mm-hmm. so you guys know. There's a lot of stuff I've read. There's a lot of stuff I haven't. The next person I want to talk about is Raymond Buckland, aka Uncle Bucky. Uncle Bucky. May he rest in peace. And forever be remembered. Yes. Raymond Buckland was the founder of a branch of Wicca called Sex Wicca. He's one of the first people to go, this gardener stuff's nice. I like it. I'm doing it. Um, I'm going to do my own thing now. (laughs) I want it to be more accessible to everyone. Um, I don't like this whole it has to be initiatory stuff. So that's what he did. And sex is S-E-A-K-X. Mm-hmm. Um, so not like we bang in not like, like magic a wow wow yeah. yeah I thought he basically took Wicca and put his dick on it that's, that's <laughs> no <laughs> instead of putting his dick on it he put Saxton Wicca or Saxton uh, Anglo-Saxon stuff mm-hmm. all over it okay. he's just like we're gonna yeah, we're gonna tear this yeah. out <laughs> we're gonna tear all this goddess stuff out and throw in Saxon Wicca practices and deities and that's what we're gonna do here I'm making some weird hand motions that the guys are laughing at. It looks like you're lassoing somebody. Yes. I'm lassoing Bucky's books. (laughs) Anyway, um, I don't have the date of Uncle Bucky's Big Blue Book, which is the complete works of Wicca um, that he published. It's an actual Big Blue Book. Mm -hmm. It's amazing for an intro book, especially if you want to learn a lot about high magic and how, how to do actual magic. Um, I would not suggest that be the first thing you hand somebody. It's kind of dry. Um, It's it's like a saltine. No, it's like a go, like a, um, like, like, like like a buttercream. No, it's not a history book either. The Uncle Bucky's big blue book is a step-by-step guide on how to be Wicca. Okay. It's not a how to feel, how to put in the emotion. It is a do this, do that. Do this, this, that. Like, like an Ikea instruction manual. Yeah, but with a little bit more wording. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> anyway, he was the first person in the United States to openly admit, openly admit to being a practitioner of Wicca. Okay. Full sentence. Um, what he did was he was introduced through Gardarian and a and initiated in Gardarian uh, witchcraft by then Gardner's... Uh, High Priestess in 1962. He actually went over to um, England and he was in a ceremony. He was initiated by her by his High Priestess. Gardner was there, but he didn't um, actually participate in the ceremony. He was just in the circle and then he pretty much died. That was that, that, that was Gardarian. That was Gardner's 
That that was the end of Gardner. Yeah, that, there we go. He didn't like die in the circle or immediately, no. but th- that was the last, the first and last time he met Buckland. Um, then Buckland introduced Gardnerian witchcraft to the United States in 1964, and he practiced it along with his then wife. His wife was also um, initiated at that same time, and um, stuff happened. Fall fallouts happened. He got divorced, and then he started his own stuff. And at one point, he published what the book The Tree, um, which I have not read, which does detail Sax Wicca. Mm-hmm. And he also published another book called Sax Wicca, um, and that one I have read, and it is good. I don't see a whole lot of deviation um, from what Gardner was doing there's a bit it's like he he took out a flavor and put in the flavor he wanted um it also is the first time where people can initiate themselves they don't need this connection of initiation which is a Gardnerian stronghold that you have to be initiated by somebody who's initiated to be in Gardnerian witchcraft okay or Wicca and then we have another person called Victor Anderson He's the founder of Fairy Tradition, F E R I, and it was in uh, what it was founded in 1960s. He claimed to be initiated in 1932 by the Harpy Coven. Okay. This is Har- initiation story from Victor Anderson number 1. Number 1. Wait, there's multiple? Yes. Oh no. He also claims to be initiated in 1926 by a woman of fairy race. Okay. Number two. He also is claimed to be initiated by a priestess from Africa. Number three. Does this guy have multiple personalities or something? No. This is actually a normal thing for our um, elders mm-hmm. from the 60s to claim initiation from grandparents, from other people, from people of magic. Okay. That... um. Don't hold salt. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's okay. That does not minimize what they have contributed to Wicca today. Okay. But they're kind of full of shit. And that's okay. That's okay. So Victor Anderson does at one point claim that he was at his grandmother's house, walked into the kitchen. She was naked in a circle and he instinctually ripped off his clothes and joined her in the circle and was sexually initiated into witchcraft. Uh, um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm just going to jump over that. Just, no, let, let's just let's yeah. just go. But he was the founder of fairy tradition. And as a lot of you who have been listening to us for a long time know, fairy tradition was the mothership of... Reclaiming tradition, mm-hmm. which both me and Jara um, practice mainly, and uh, that was created by Starhawk, yes. who was primarily taught by actually Victor Anderson and Z Budapest. Yeah, I've heard that name before. Da, 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 dialing back from that one. <laughs> and Starhawk was the fa- one of the founders of Reclaiming Tradition. In 1979, she published The Spiral Dance. Mm-hmm. And then we have um, a couple other people that I'm going to mention and talk about um, that were important to the history of Wicca, including Alexander Standers. 
or Alex Sanders. He was the founder of Alexandrian Witchcraft, or Alexandria Wicca, which is another branch that came kind of almost directly from Gardarian. I've heard he was initiated into Gardarian. I could not find where I read that originally in my research for today, so I failed you. Um, but he uh, was initiated apparently in 1933 by his grandmother. Oh, wait, maybe he was the one who found his grandma naked. Oops. I mean, if it was both of them, that would just be really Whoa. weird. So that, I guess that really highlights these stories <laughs> of initiation from this time that a lot of people um, who were founders of different sects and were our elders claimed initiation um, from this unbroken chain that we keep talking about that Wicca just doesn't have. Mm -hmm. And again, I really think it was fear that if they did not have this, if they could not say, well, I didn't just read Bucky or Gerald's book and I decided to do a thing, mm -hmm. that then they would be discredited. I I think one of the big things I mean because mm -hmm. you keep talking about the chain. One of the things that, that that just keeps popping into my head is you don't have to have a full a long chain, right? I mean, you could still have a piece of it, and it's still part of you, right? And you don't even have to have any of the pieces of it. So yeah. you read Uncle Bucky's book. So you read Cunningham. and now you're a Wiccan. Today's world, that's not a problem. In that world. It was. Mm -hmm. And even Morning Glory Zeal, who's another founder of what we're looking at right now, she was a contributor to the Green Egg. I'm pretty sure I've talked about how important the Green Egg was at one point, and that's m more history we're not going into right now, um, claimed to have been initiated by her grandmother or by a family member. And she came out later and said, yeah, no, I initiated myself. Mm -hmm. And people... Half of her friends disowned and disloved her and discredited her and said, everything that you did is bullshit. How could you lie to us? And she's just like, I initiated myself. And there was other people who were like, that's powerful, sister. Let's go. Yeah. And today's world, that's powerful, sister. Let's go. And that's valid. And that's a real initiation. And that is a real practice. Yes. I'm going to stand on this high horse until it falls down. Preach it, sister. Preach right. it. Right. <laughs> so anyway, back to Alex Sanders, who says Alexandrian was named for the um, library, not him. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> anyway, um, one of the things that was said by Patricia Crowther, an actual Gardarian high priestess, was that he contacted her in the 1960s saying, I feel a really strong pull and connection to the occult and to witchcraft and how do I get involved? And that's kind of the real thing where somebody came out and said, eh, he never made these grandmother claims before. But that's okay. That is okay. That, that's kind of the whole thing about this whole episode is that it doesn't matter your history mm -hmm. until now. What, yeah. I, what I'm talking about is the important stuff that helped develop what we got. But we're going to talk about this person after the break. Millennial Pagan Podcast is exclusively supported by Patreon. 
Listeners like you can gain great benefits from your favorite show, such as... At $1 a month, you get a personalized shout-out at the end of the next full-length episode. At $5 a month, you receive a thank you card in the mail with a Millennial Pagan Podcast button and sticker enclosed. Additionally, $5 a month supporters have access to our monthly 30-minute minisodes. Patreon supporters are also the first to learn about new and exciting updates to Millennial Pagan Podcast. More benefits and exclusive content to come. And we are back. All right. So I know so far it's been a lot to swallow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of history. A lot of names. A lot. A lot of names saying names that weren't really names, or we can't find those people. Mm-hmm. Um. But I know a lot of it. You know, factual information. Yeah. Gotta gotta follow the. You have to follow the chains that are there. Yes. Exactly. And um, like I've said multiple times, that there are books detailing from the moment Gardarian or Gardner, the moment Gardner published um. High Magic Zaid up until now that are historically proven. We can find and track down those people, whether it's them alive today or their headstones, because this is 70 years worth of history. And that is kind of amazing. Yeah. That in 70 years, this is a worldwide thing. Like we have listeners everywhere, which to me tells me that paganism neo-paganism is an everywhere thing and if Gardner didn't go up on you know um the news BBC and say I our witch come join me that I really don't I really don't think that all of this would have been possible I know a lot of people were doing similar things around the same time but none of them were as brave or as much leo power Mm-hmm. As Gardner, I you know I should have looked up what his sign was because I have a feeling he has Leo somewhere. Oh, I'm almost oh, sure of it. He's totes like, look at me. But anyway, <clears throat> I promised to talk about somebody else who published a history book that was very similar to the Rebirth of Witchcraft by Dorian Valiente, in that it took a snapshot of the pagan world at that time. And this book specifically took a snapshot of the pagan world in North America during the 70s. Okay. And this book was written by Margot Adler. Also, another person who will never be forgotten. Yes. And Margot Adler was a a news person or um, a, a not an anchor, but she was on the radio for PB, PBS. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wrote Drawing Down the Moon. She went to all these different sites, all these different people, all these different conventions camping campouts different traditions of neo-paganism wicca and witchcraft and wrote about them in this concise way that not only did she talk about things that they were doing that were the same but things they were doing that were different she talked to a lot of the names that i already talked about and many many more people is huge it is dense it is very textbook like but it is an amazing work that just takes this huge snapshot and by the time she published it some of these groups have already dissolved have already lost their footing because money is a problem or um, space time people being able to do these things are problems or um, just come up and cause and 
things don't live or mm -hmm. they mutate. But it's just this amazing text about what was going on. And I would be ecstatic if somebody took an undertaking of similar measure and did it again. I, I will say I, I haven't I haven't read the full book. It is huge. It, it is huge. I have read a lot of different pieces and parts of it, mm -hmm. and it really accurately depicts a, a, a wonderful snapshot, exactly. if you will, yes. a, a snapshot of that time in in our history. Yes, it's about a decade after the movement started really taking hold. Mm -hmm. um, so it is in the 70s, and we're seeing a lot of what was going on. Even today, we can see what became of these groups and some of these groups that are still going on today and what they have done for us based mm -hmm. upon this work is pretty amazing and, um, and I'll, I'll say this i've said it i've said it once i'll say it a million times i am not a reader yeah i i i, I have a strong dislike of reading personally <laughs> because i can't focus right but a lot of the stuff that that she wrote about in these books really has a great visual if, if you have a, a a strong imagination it's actually it paints a perfect picture for you yeah you can be in the room and know what um was going on at that time has there been a, a book on tape for that one i don't know it's about the size of the fifth harry potter book so yeah. i don't know I don't know. I'm, I'm going to look into that. Yeah. Because if, if it is if it is out there, I wouldn't mind actually, you know, sitting and listening to it. Yeah. It is, again, very textbook-y. So mm -hmm. I do caution people who aren't good at reading um, academic works. It is essentially an anthropology textbook on Wicca for the 70s in North America. Mm -hmm. So um, what's going on now as far as history is uh, a awesome person wrote another very similar book talking about from gerald gardner on and even some older stuff uh the triumph of the moon which was published in 1997 by professor Ron professor ronald hutton and he's still alive and doing research and stuff and he's pretty awesome his work is pretty awesome i haven't read any of it i've yeah. been meaning to for a decade but i haven't read any of it but it's pretty awesome and the triumph of the moon is another one of those history type books that talk about our history how things went down and i believe he starts at leland and moves forward i'm not gonna lie that's actually a bucket list that i have for this podcast is to actually get him on even if it's just like call in Oh my goodness! I, I don't think it's possible. <laughs> I haven't. I didn't even think that far. Whoa! You have more aspirations than me. Well, I mean, I I, I think it would. You know, like, like I said, a, a a bucket list. You know, probably a far fetched thing. But how how awesome would it be to actually just just get it just get a snippet from him? Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> I have not thought that far. Ooh, I guess maybe I should start. Anyway. Um, another couple of people that I've I've mentioned, Morning Glory Zeal, I've um, mentioned um, Oberon Zeal. These two people were really awesome. Um, what the Green Egg did for us, it was one of those first publications that was widely circulated throughout North America and talked about what was going on in paganism at that time. It was pre-internet. It had two iterations, two lifespans, one um, which was um, pre-Margot Adler's publishing that she talks about, and then it came back to life and restarted. And 
So it really publicized publicized a lot of um, thoughts. Um, a lot of different traditions really communicated that way. It talked about different um, things that were going on in the community as far as, hey, we're going to go to Idaho and we're going to do a thing and it's going to be awesome for like a weekend. And people showed up because they read it in the Green Egg. Um, the Green Egg is also where um, Morning Glory coined the term polyamory. Mm-hmm. Again, we're not going to make fun of this poor woman for her terrible English decisions, but... <laughs> that's where it came from and that's again why we had tim and all of the shafers on to talk about polyamory because it's deep rooted into paganism a pagan leader started the conversation on being able to have multiple loves and still Mm -hmm. having a nesting partner or still having a functional relationship with these people and a functional marriage or functional group thing going on there which by the way great episode if you guys definitely go back and listen to it oh yeah that that's a lot more fun to listen to than i'm probably sure this episode is <laughs> because that was fun and funny and this yeah. is history and, um, and tim yeah well tim <laughs> goodness shout out to tim yes big shout out hope you're doing fine buddy yeah. i know yeah, anyway so what I want my listeners to get out of all of this is that um, you're going to look up some of these people's names. Not only are their initiation stories kind of rocky, but their lives are kind of rocky. Uh, people have called Gerald Gardner himself a dirty old man. Very sexual. Um, a lot. Very misogynistic. And uh, he was not the best founder of a religion ever. He was not Christ-like, necessarily. He, we don't put him on this amazing perfection pedestal. He had faults. He was nasty. At least yeah. he wasn't a pedophile. Some of these people were. Yeah. Some of our elders were or have been accused of being pedophiles. Raymond Buckland was accused and never found to be actual and a lot of people were really insulted by that because there's not a whole lot of backing to it i, I was just talking about oh oh no no there there are a lot of people who were claimed to, to be pedophiles in our history mm-hmm. we have a religion that traditionally started with a sexual initiation rite And sometimes some of the women who were joining weren't yet women, but were children and having sex with men to be initiated. Yes, it is a dirty past. Mm -hmm. It is a scary past. It does not invalidate what we're doing right now. We learn from our past. Yes, exactly. We, We evolve. From our past. Without knowing our history, we don't know where we're going forward. We don't know what battles we're going to have to uptake. And that's actually something we're going to be talking about in the next mini-sode if you're a Patreon supporter. We're going to be talking about how a lot of these people that I just named were going out on TV. We're going out in public and saying, we don't do X, Y, and Z. And other people at the time in different traditions, including voodoo and these other traditions that had that unbreakable chain were like, wait a minute, we do do these things. That doesn't make us evil. That doesn't make us Satan worshipers. Or some Satan worshipers were like, hey, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do that. 
that does not invalidate us. And that's yeah. where some of these problems are coming into that today we're working on. And we're going to talk more about those in the mini soap. Yeah. So if you guys want to listen to that, that was a little bit of a sneak peek. Yeah. Patreon. Go on there. Yeah. Support us. Uh, speaking of Patreon supporting, I have to say a big, huge thank you because we had a lot of people join up since this whole um, Corona shenanigans started. Mm-hmm. The Coronagans. Coronagans. Coronagans started. But this week, we specifically want to thank Jennifer. Um, I also want to highlight to all of you guys who are our $5 supporters that you will be receiving your thank you note button and sticker. So f- stay healthy, guys. Yeah, we know it's it's kind of tough out there. And again, big thank you if you are out there on the front lines. Please, please, please be safe. Um, you know, we're, we're here to support you, even though, you know, I'm, I'm not considered essential. I'm working from home, but I, I know what it's like to be on those front lines in difficult times. I just want to say from the bottom of both my heart and I know sunshine feels the same way. Thank you for being out there, especially medical workers, nurses, doctors, all you guys. Thank you for staying out there and helping out and we know it's difficult and hopefully when we get out of this things are going to look up things are things are going to get better and you guys deserve all the praise that you're getting i want to add in there janitors janitors yes um totally ignored and forgotten normally and have are still working and still essential and still in just as dangerous streets and mm-hmm. still ignored and forgotten. Um, and they're the ones that are actively out there. Yeah. Everything. Everything. Yes. Everything. All the custodial workers. Thank you. You guys are what's going to really matter in the long run towards making sure this thing doesn't spread. Yes, mm-hmm. our doctors, our nurses, everyone is dealing with after the aftermath of spreading. But you're pre- you're the preventative. Yeah. So thank you. Um. With that being said, Mary meet. Mary part. And, and Mary meet, meet again. again. And wash your damn hands. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs>